Now, as I said, this text from Romans changed everything for a mere mortal, uh, Martin Luther. And then it changed the course of history as he found in the scriptures a living God who spoke to him a living word of grace and mercy, of justification by grace through faith, not our own works. And so um, I'll be preaching on this as our primary text today. And I ask you to uh, listen to this word of the Lord, Romans chapter 3, beginning at the 19th verse. Now we know that whatever the law speaks, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, the living Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I know know I'm not alone at all in this experience. It's happened to me uh, in a variety of places, in the grocery store, in a restaurant, Uh, It happened to me uh, when I was visiting another congregation, right? In the middle of worship, it happened. And it happened most recently uh, when I was returning home. A member of our church uh, blessed me and asked me to uh, preside at his uh, wedding that was out of state. And returning home, you know, there's nothing like just returning home. I was startled when it happened again right in the middle of the airport. And what I'm talking about is hundreds. And at the airport, I think it was thousands of um, cell phones going off at once. And it was um, an Amber Alert. You ever had that happen with the Amber Alerts? Amber Alert. Uh, 22 years ago, that wasn't part of our vocabulary. And all that changed in 1996 when a precious little nine-year-old girl by the name of Amber Hagerman was abducted And some of you know the story. It happened in her hometown of Abington, Texas. The official name for the Amber Alert System that was then established, listen, uh, America's Missing, colon, Broadcast Emergency Response. But if you look at the acronym A-M-B-E-R, you know for whom it was named. And uh, Amber's family and all those people in Texas know exactly that that acronym is in loving memory of that precious little girl who died. So now I want you to use your sanctified imagination 
You put all the other stuff that's distracting you aside and use your sanctified imagination and think. Imagine your child, your grandchild, your spouse, your dearest friend uh, has been taken away, has been stolen away, has been kidnapped, as it were. How do you think you'd feel? What do you think would be racing through your mind day after day as you worried about and wondered about their whereabouts? Are they still alive? Are they safe? Are you there? Are you using your imagination? Now imagine that you receive a call from the person who took away your loved one. He wants you to pay ransom in order to get that person back. So what would your grandchild, your son or daughter's life be worth to you? Earlier this weekend in worship, I said, what would you pay to get your husband or wife back? And one woman say, I'd pay that person to keep me a little longer, but they've got some other issues they need to work on. What would your best friend, your best friend's life, your best friend's safety be worth to you? The reason I use this imagery right out of our own experience in these United States and the reason I ask you to use your sanctified imagination is because um, of what happened when Christ went to the cross for sinners like you and me and what Luther so boldly and faithfully preached on as this text just leapt out at him reminding us of um, some biblical truths, some doctrines, some, some words that we don't always use in day-to-day conversations, you know, with our friends playing bridge or, you know, at our favorite coffee shop uh, in the break room at work. We don't talk a lot day-to-day, do we, about redemption and atonement and justification. But these are biblical truths upon which Martin Luther was willing to stand, along with Philip Melanchthon and all the other reformers in Germany in the 1500s. And it is um, the Holy Spirit that keeps us grounded in this same word, preaching and proclaiming these same truths in interesting times like these in which we live, where so many reject the gospel of Jesus Christ and doubt the power of God's saving word. But like Martin Luther, here we stand on the word of God. We can do no other. And if you don't know it, Luther risked his very life, not just his reputation, to make that stand. And we are called to do nothing less. Redemption. In Christ we have redemption. Biblically speaking, that means some kind of buying back. And those in the day of the Apostle Paul knew that there was also a redemption that meant uh, quite literally uh, paying the ransom to, to get someone back, paying the ransom fee. And the Apostle Paul and Martin Luther rightly understood that we were um, in bondage. We were being held captive by an enemy. Death, darkness, the evil one. And all of us were firmly in his grip. We cannot save ourselves. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And God paid a high price for our redemption beyond human measurement. A ransom worth more than all the money the world has ever known. The price God paid was the death of his only son. Now, some of you know 
that um, I'm from originally a family of all boys, yours truly and my two younger brothers. I've shared this with some of you. Now all of you are going to know it. On one occasion, my middle brother, Shannon, uh, took the punishment that I deserved. I knew that I'd done wrong and that I was guilty, and my brother knew that he was innocent. But my brother didn't say a word when our father punished him instead of me. Fifty years have gone by, and he still reminds me of that. (laughs) He paid the price to protect me. (laughs) And he suffered when I should have. Christ has paid a price for you. The Word of God tells us that Jesus experienced what we deserved. Martin Luther said it rightly, and it might be strong language for you, but Luther said, when it comes to what we deserve, we deserve the death, damnation, and the devil. That's what we've earned by our righteousness. But we have been redeemed. We have been saved by a gracious God who took our place on the cross, paying a price not with silver or gold, but with his own innocent blood and his suffering, his humiliation. You have been redeemed. It is a done deal. Christ has accomplished it. And all we do in response is have faith in what he's done for us that we could not do for ourselves. No merit of my own I claim, but I cling to Jesus' name. And another word that I don't think you uh, talk about much, you know, at your kids' ball games, um, at your favorite restaurant, atonement. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone about atonement, if it wasn't in a Bible study here at church? Those of you who know your Old Testament know that atonement was very significant to the people of Israel. You can read about this on your own time, please do, in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 16. There, God spells out um, clearly for Aaron how atonement would be done each year through the sacrifice of a bull or a goat. Now, in the Old Testament, the Israelites used a sacrificial animal who received the punishment, the people they knew they deserved for their sin and disobedience. And sometimes it was the uh, sacrifice of a bull. And then sometimes they would simply, through the priest, put the sins of the people on a goat and then send it out into the wilderness away. And that's where we get the phrase scapegoat. Did you know that? You know, blaming someone else for what you know is your own responsibility. The Israelites did that on an annual basis with sacrifices, blood sacrifices of bulls and the scapegoats sent into the wilderness That's how they were annually, ritualistically cleansed from their sins. In the New Testament, we have the Lamb of God, Jesus, the atoning sacrifice for the sins, not just of Israel, but all people, Gentiles like you and like me. And unlike that Old Testament sacrifice that had to be repeated over and over again, what Jesus did does not have to be repeated. It was perfect. It was complete. And transcending all of our human reason and our measurements of time and space and chronological history, on that cross, Jesus died for your sins. His blood was shed for you before the world even knew there was a you. God is not bound by time and space as we are. 
And I think in addition to most of us having an experience with Amber Alerts, all of us have more than enough experience with this as well, brokenness, Uh, broken relationships, our own broken spirit, a friendship that started so sweetly and ended in betrayal and strife and bitterness, a business venture that seemed so promising with a friend, a colleague that went sour and south, a marriage with high hopes as the bride and groom walked down the aisle that ended in separation and divorce. When you, brother, sister, were in the midst of all that pain and sadness and disappointment that was yours, and when I was in the midst of my own, Use your imagination. What would you have done to make things right? And being sinners one and all, some of you are in the midst of broken relationships right now. I know this all too well. What price would you pay? Christ did everything to get things back on track between us and our Heavenly Father, from which we were all estranged. Though he was equal with God, Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. God took the form of a lowly slave to cleanse you and cleanse a sinner like me. Our God is a great God. And that leads us to this third powerful biblical doctrine of justification. And that simply means, you know, Things being restored, having a right relationship with God. And Martin Luther finally understood that he could not do that on his own. For if we could do that on our own, we don't need Christ and his cross. Jesus could have taken over the carpenter shop and had a nice retirement on the Sea of Galilee. If we could save ourselves by works of righteousness, we need no Savior. We're saving ourselves, and we cannot. The law exposes us for who we are. God has done the justification. Through the blood of Christ, the atonement has been satisfied. Jesus was willing, perfectly willing, to suffer the pain, the humiliation, the nakedness, the rejection, the cruelty of the cross to make things right. That God would call all of his prodigal sons and daughters back home where they belong. I want to share with you something that was shared with me recently. Uh, This person said, you know, uh, God was doing something new in the 16th century when he took that Augustinian monk and his bride, the church, was cleansed and reformed, not by human scheme, but by the word. And this person said, you know, God's doing interesting, surprising new things today. And... um, She shared with me a video of a performer singing a song, not on Christian television, not on a Christian format, but um, on the show Ellen. And don't go getting concerned, I'm putting down Ellen from the pulpit, Ellen DeGeneres, but hers is not an explicitly Christian show, is it? It's an entertainment show. But this young woman I'd never heard of named Lauren Daigle, was invited by Ellen to sing this song, and it blew me away. It's a gospel song. It's a Reformation song. 
It speaks of atonement and justification and redemption in the midst of brokenness and darkness. And so I want to conclude by sharing these words with you. The song is entitled, Still Rolling Stones. Out of the shadows, bound for the gallows, dead man walking till love came calling, rise up, rise up. Six feet under, I thought it was over, an answer to prayer. The voice of a savior, rise up, rise up. At once I came alive, this beating heart, these open eyes, the grave let go. The darkness should have known, you're still rolling, you're still rolling stones. I once was blinded, but now I see it. I've heard about the power, now I believe it. Rise up, rise up. And listen to these words of such honesty. You talk about brokenness and in bondage to sin and redemption. Some of you know exactly what these words mean. I thought I was too far gone for everything I've done wrong. Yeah, I'm the one who dug this grave but you called me by name. You called me by name. At once I came alive, this beating heart, these open eyes, the grave let go, the darkness should have known. You're still rolling. You're still rolling stones. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.